This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I have Betsy Brandt with us. Betsy, how you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Excited What's to be here. Good to be with you. Samantha Rudolph, uh, founder and CEO of Babyation, told us uh, that we should connect and, and have a, a podcast. So thank you, Samantha. I'm sure she's dialed in and watching right now, don't you think? <laughs> hopefully, That's hopefully. Right. Yeah, right. appreciate the intro, Sam. So. Well, we have an awesome event with Sam and then Coach Conzo Martin and uh, John Smith, who was the, the kind of the, the inspiration behind the movie Breakthrough, who's also a St. Louis kid. And uh, so we have an event on September 2nd at noon on Zoom. So it'll be awesome. We're going to talk about faith, family, uh, you know, firm, what I call our firm or work, uh, your fitness, your fun in life, what I call the F to the fifth power. And so that covers everything, covers it all. That's great. Covers it all. So we're excited to have it. So Betsy Brandt, you are the founder of uh, Forest Park Capital, which is an awesome concept I'm excited about. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but I always want to talk about the backstory, right? Who made you the person you are today? You went to Vanderbilt. Uh, so pretty smart student. And then you went to Harvard business school. How yes, cool is that? Yeah. That's awesome. So, but what made you Betsy Brandt, the, the woman you are today, and you don't just wake up and go to Vanderbilt and Harvard? You know, that's so funny. I actually think, you know, I kind of look at the founding of Forest Park Capital as the culmination of, of various steps yeah. in life. And I was laughing the other day. I think if I looked at my even 22-year-old self and said, you're going to found a search fund and look for a business to buy, yeah. I would have said, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it really gets back to you know, growing up in the Midwest, I, I was an only child, um, which I think instilled, oh, you as well. I am as well. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) But I do think it instills kind of a fierce sense of of independence in in oneself. And so I think that was kind of my upbringing. Um, my parents definitely instilled, you know, a very strong work, work ethic in me, Mm -hmm. um, kind of throughout my life. And and I think that's really kind of brought me to where I am today, but um, definitely, you know, educational experience as well have been, have yeah. been helpful. So definitely Vanderbilt and Harvard business school. That's kind awesome. Of, yeah. So were your parents business owners? I mean, what did they do growing up? It's actually funny. You should ask that. My dad is a lawyer. Okay. So growing up, everyone always said, wow, you're going to be a lawyer. You're yep. going to follow in your father's footsteps. And I always thought, yes, I will go to law school. Turns out I took a career test the other day and I had a negative score for the law. So I think I would have <laughs> epically failed yeah. as a lawyer. So thank God I did not go that That's route. Right. And your mom? Um, so she stayed home and took care of me, which yeah. was very kind. And she since kind of found you know her own passion and started her own designer consignment business. So oh, having cool. having a good time with that. That's now too. awesome. Yeah, very good. Well, we can have a lot of only children's stories later. So yes, absolutely. Do you are you okay with sharing like French fries or anything? Or are you not good with sharing? I'm actually okay with sharing. Okay, I'm okay with sharing. Um, 
but I, I don't think I'm necessarily a stereotypical only child. I don't yeah. know if you fall in that camp, but I, I don't think so, but I have some tendencies, right? I okay. call it the, okay. in my house, my wife and my four kids, they call it the OCS, the only child syndrome. And, uh, so, you know, like if you wanted French fries, for example, then you should have ordered your own French fries, right? So don't, right. don't reach over and grab my fries. Cause I never had a brother or sister doing that. So, right. That's a whole nother podcast, Betsy. But um, so talk to us about a search fund. And, and so I, like, I told you, I, I feel like I'm on the latest and greatest of what's going on in the business world. And I saw your article in the St. Louis Business Journal. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You're doing a lot of really, really cool things at For, uh, Forest Park Capital. So talk to us. What is a search fund? What does it mean? All that stuff. So obviously I'm biased, but it is the coolest thing. I, I you know, learned about this in business school, completely fell in love with the concept. So what, what is it? I think it, I think it's really two things. First of all, it kind of hits below private equity um, mm-hmm. in terms of size range. I would say private equity is kind of creeping into the size sure. range we'd be looking at. But, um, you know, it gets into, there are a lot of opportunities that are small businesses throughout the country that are founder owned for 30 years, yep. um, fantastic businesses. And, you know, maybe they're too small for private equity. They're not growing quickly enough for venture capital or growth equity. And so, you know, what, what happens there? And right. Um, so I think it's really interesting from that perspective, from another perspective, you know, there are a lot of people that have businesses and don't have a transition option and private equity could be a great outcome or selling to a strategic, but you don't really, you're not really passing your business to an individual. Um, you're passing to a kind of a more passive investor, obviously certain private equity firms are quite active and, and engaged, but you're not really transitioning the business to another entrepreneur, which I think is really important yeah, to certain business owners. And so, you know, I, I'm young and I'm, I'm ready to get to work. And so it's a way to really transition your business to someone who will take it over for you, care about your employees, care about the growth of your business for years to come from a long-term perspective, yep. not a, not a short-term five-year flip. So I think from from those two perspectives, it's a really, really interesting model. Um, And how it actually works, I can get into that as well. But that's kind of so how it works is and typically it's people coming out of business school. Um, More and more it's not. So a lot of a lot of different folks out there who decide to go down this path. But in June, I essentially went out to investors and raised a small pool of capital. Um, ended up with 10 great investors, very excited about them, that funds my 24-month search for a business to buy. So Hmm. I started a month ago. I have 23 months left. I think I need a countdown clock in my (laughs) office every time a week goes by. Absolutely. A sense of urgency. urgency. I will never say I've never felt more stressed than sitting alone in my office every day. Um, So I have 24 months to find a business. And when I find a great opportunity, those same 10 investors will then provide acquisition capital, And then I will go in and operate the business and they will kind of serve as my advisory team. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm young. I don't know everything. Openly admit that. But, you know, willing to learn and have great backers behind me who are willing to support me. So. So they support the, the money, obviously. I mean, a lot of people right out of business school and that example don't just have millions of dollars laying around to say, yeah, I'll buy company X over there. And Actually, we're in the red. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Harvard is not cheap and neither is Vanderbilt. Unfortunately, yeah, yes. That's right. And so so if I'm you know a, a young entrepreneur listening to this right now, I mean, is there people, can you get more people on the bench, right? Can you add more people to Forest Park or is this, 
your deal, like I'm going to find my thing and then Forest Park Capital is no more. I'm going to find my thing and then Forest Park Capital is no more. And then I will go on to, you know, lead that business for hopefully way into the future. That's awesome. So cool. So what what do you look for? Like when you, when you think, you you know, if I'm Betsy, I'm sitting here, I say, I could do A, B or C. What what are those passions? What are you, what are you learning? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think the way most people approach it is they say, I will move anywhere in the country. Geography is no restriction and they'll be more industry specific. But what tends to happen if you look at the data is people gravitate towards the coasts in Texas. And I just think there's a huge untapped opportunity in the Midwest and so I am so excited to be back here and I'm yeah. constrained my search to actually the Midwest. Okay. So Kansas over to Ohio, you know, Illinois down to Tennessee, yeah. um, flexible in terms of let's add Michigan, maybe sure. Minnesota, but, but definitely kind of the general Midwest region. So that's kind of the first criteria yeah. on my end. Um, I think from another perspective, I want some sort of B2B services based business. And that, that can be a variety of things that can be a very sexy tech enabled business. And that could be, you know, liquid waste management, picking up used cooking oil. Um, and I think I'm equally happy with either, to be honest. So that's cool. So I think that that means you're open, right? And so I think if you go into it, narrow focus, you probably are going to even make it a smaller choice, right? That you can go out and find. So, uh, well, that's good. So what, what did you learn most when you think about going to Harvard, the the people like me, they don't invite to go to Harvard. And and so I'm always fascinated by that. I, I love the story. I love, you know, I think that's just so cool to be able to go to Harvard and say you went to Harvard, but, but what did you learn from that? The people you were around, what was some of the biggest takeaways? Yeah. And it, it's funny, you know, I would love to sit here and rattle off. I know so much about, you know, marketing or or X, Y, and Z. I think what it does a really great job of is everything is case method based. So every class, the professor doesn't lecture. You, You have a case to read and you walk in and you essentially as a class, as 90 people, just discuss the case all class. Wow. Which... You know, I will say there's some instances where you're like, can you just teach me the concept? Like, let's go. Um, But in reality, it's actually a fantastic way to think about things because you get to hear, you know, such diverse perspectives from people in the classroom. And I always thought, oh, wow, I would never think of that. I would never think that, you know, I've never thought that way before. And so I think what it does is it teaches you great decision making skills Mm -hmm. and kind of how all the pieces of business really fit together. Um, So it's not so tangible, but it's more of a... I think it's a softer kind of skill in a way of thinking about things yeah. that you come out the other yeah. side with. So. so how hard was that school? I mean, you compare that to normal school, you go to Harvard Business School and, and what was that like? Yeah, no, good question. Um, so it's funny. It's mostly participation based. Okay. So because Not it's your a, traditional ABC, whatever. No, yeah. no, it's, it's mostly based on your participation, both the quantity and the quality of what you say to your classmates. Okay. Um, which is interesting. I will say something I wasn't comfortable with going in uh, was a little yeah. was a little scared to yeah. be honest. It's it's ninety people you've never met who, you know, some of the, are some of the brightest people I'll probably be in a room with, and yeah. it was intimidating. But sure. I think that was a good learning and growth experience too, was being able to express opinions and make arguments in a in a full classroom. Yeah. So so for those of us that are parents, and you know, my oldest is a high school. I've got high school, seventh grade, fifth grade, and first grade. Right. So to all the parents listening right now, and they say, "Wow, this is awesome." Other than the price, my daughter went to Vanderbilt. She went to uh, Harvard Business School. What did your parents, do you think, did right to help you want to excel in the, in the schoolroom? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think growing up, and I don't know how they did this exactly, but I always derived a lot of my self-worth of how well I'd done compared to my abilities. I think 
I think knowing, oh, you know, I could have done that. I could have gotten an A on that test or I could have, right. you know, I'm, I'm kind of boiling it down on a micro sure. scale. But I think they always kind of instilled a sense of just work up to your full potential. Um, and I think that's kind of done me a service kind of yeah. throughout, throughout my life. Yep. Um, I think in other ways, even kind of a first job out of school, I quickly realized it wasn't the best learning experience out of, out of Vanderbilt and, and quickly switched. So I think also the ability to kind of know yourself and what you really want and, and make quick changes and, and things yeah. like that has yeah. been helpful. So, I mean, was it, did you also play sports and do all those things? And so, okay. So very active as a child, but also cared about school and, and that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, state state basketball championship freshman oh, year. Oh, look at that! It's pretty exciting. I'm very tall. You probably can't tell, but <laughs> so yeah, as a freshman, you were on the state championship basketball. Yes, team. yes. That's cool. What what high school was that? Um, it was Pembroke Hill in Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's a big deal. Win a state. I title. still think about it sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I feel so bad with all this COVID stuff going on. You know, Illinois just canceled their uh, so golf, uh, boys and girls golf, and then cross country and tennis is going on right now in the fall and. They were having a season, but they just canceled the state tournaments for all that. And I think, for to your point, right, as a freshman in high school, that was the opportunity you had, and it didn't happen again. That's a bummer. I never yeah. worked so hard, too, to get to that yeah. point. That's sad. And you can never take a state title away from you. No matter how old we get, it's still pretty darn cool. I have so. the very ugly ring to show it. It's like That's this right. big. That's so. awesome. So what, what are your passions? I mean, when you look at, obviously, you're doing the things in the search fund, but in, in your life, what do you enjoy doing outside of work, and what, what are some of the things that make you tick? Yeah, for sure. I will say I'm very, and you can probably ask my fiance about this and he'll be annoyed. I'm very active. I always like to be doing things. Yeah. So if I'm in a new city, I want to know what are like the top 20 things I need to be okay. doing. What are the, what are the coolest restaurants, yeah. whether it's tiny or something fancy, like what are the best spots here? I always just want to be exploring. Um, and so, I mean, I will say it's hard to move to a new city during this yeah. crazy time yeah. we're in. I feel a little constrained, but it's still, it's still been very fun. Um, I think I actually used to work for a fitness business as well okay. back in New York city. And I think that's definitely kind of carried yeah. forward. Just yeah. like love going to boutique fitness classes, yeah. understanding the business models, testing them out. I think that's very fun too. So, well, maybe you could, uh, search fun and buy, you know, Peloton's probably a little bit out of the number, but, uh, just, just by like, you know, just. 15 billion yeah. and 800 million. No, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so when you look back now and you, is there anything you wish you could have done differently? So maybe for that student that's listening or for that person that's getting ready to get out of college and, and what, what maybe is some advice you would have for them? Yeah, I think, so I think when I think back, especially on my time at Vanderbilt is I think I, I lacked a lot of confidence at that point in time. And I remember being very confused about kind of what I wanted to do after graduation and I thought maybe investment banking, but I think I just lacked the kind of confidence at yep. that moment to really go after it. And the reality is you just, you just have to, it's a little bit of fake it till you make it. Yep. Um, so looking back at that period of time, it's just, yeah, it's, it's funny to think now where I'm doing something completely on my own and I might fail and sure. you know, it's tough, yeah. but yeah. I think my advice would be just like really go out and explore potential opportunities. And once you figure it out, just go for it because I think people respect that. Yep. I know now when I get calls asking about search funds and people are so passionate about it, I'm like, I completely respect that. Yeah. I will spend all the time in the world with you. Yeah. So, yeah. And just, you said there's only 400 search funds that, since 1984. Only been, so it's not like this is an everyday business that people are doing, right? Right, right. Yeah. So they actually just released a, um, a study on kind of 400 traditionally, you know, raised money search funds. Um, and they just kind of released yeah. the, the study on that. And so not a lot of females. Interested. Not a lot of females. It was historically less than 5%. I think Holy in the new study, it might be 7 
So, so we're still making, very small. We're making a little bit of progress, yeah. but... So how do you do that? So let's let's help that that woman right now that's listening to this and maybe lacks the self-confidence that you talked about. And, you know, a guy can walk in a room, and my wife and I will talk about this, right? A, a guy can walk in a room, kick the door down, and say something, and he's just aggressive. He's going to go get it, right? And I say this with all due respect because my wife is a very professional woman. If a, if a woman walks in, they may say she's a B-word, right? And so we got to fix that, right? So one, how do we fix that, number one? But then number two, how have you overcome that and gotten the confidence to make that happen? Yeah, it's funny. When you say, how do we overcome that? I think it's awareness. So it's us like sitting here and discussing that right yeah. now. Like, wow, this is a, this is a problem. Right. And I think when I think about my decision to do a search fund, it was also a similar level of awareness. You know, they kind of released a study, and I, I honestly forget where exactly it came from, but that women are less likely to apply for jobs if they don't hit every single bullet of the job mm. description, or women are less great at um, asking for raises or maybe slightly more risk-averse. Yep. And so when I thought about my last year of business school, when I really had to pull the trigger on this thing, I kind of was dawdling. And I said, why am I dawdling? I'm being risk-averse. Right. Would a man be risk-averse like this? Mm. And I don't think so. Um, and so I said, you know what? I absolutely have to go after this. I shouldn't yeah. be scared of, of failure. And I will say, so, um, you know, I'm out here looking for 24 months. The stats say that 30% of people who do this don't find a business to run. Really? So, well, you know, I could end after 24 months and haven't found a business and pack it up and go home. But, yeah. you know, all investors are aware of that risk, obviously. Right. And it's just part of, part so of the So they invested X amount of dollars and in 24, 23 months from now, nothing happens. And they just know they just kind of flush that money down the drain. And so there's the pressure, right, that you feel. And yes, so, yes. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about over my career, I've dealt a lot with anxiety and fears and different things like that. But I always talk about, you know, your comfort zone. If you're watching this, if you're not watching this, I'm putting my hands in a little circle. And so you know, your comfort zone's right here in the middle, right? And what I have found to, for me to get past the fear, get through anxiety was if anybody asks, you just say yes, right? And you learn. And then as you go, you keep going against that comfort zone. You're, you're eventually going to build calluses, right? Well, then you got you to gotta take a different direction, right? And then if you go outside of that comfort zone, so if I can just say one thing, if you go out outside your comfort zone, like your decision to say, you know what, what a guy think this way and I'm just going to do it, that was a big step, right? So your comfort zone just got a little bit bigger, right? And then the next time you do something that makes you uncomfortable, it gets a little bit bigger. And then next thing you know, you've got this massive circle that's your comfort zone. So have you ever read the book, uh, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway? No, I haven't, but I'm intrigued now. Put it on the list. Okay. Get that tonight. You'll have it by tomorrow from Amazon. So plug for Amazon. I'm sure Jeff Bezos is listening, don't you think? <laughs> Probably, Probably always. Yeah. And so, um, but Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, again, that's what I think is a big thing. So congrats on doing that. So, um, so 23 months now, how do you create a sense of urgency in your life? So in your world, you're doing it in 23 months. If it's a sense of urgency that somebody needs to do something at work, or if it's a fitness goal, how do we create senses of urgency? Yeah, I think, you know, I have been, and this is kind of a new thing in my daily life, every morning just kind of sitting for a second yep. um, with actually a, you know, a glass of lemon water, just like sitting for a moment. And yep. I think like a, in a strange way, even five minutes of just mental preparation for the Absolutely. day is extremely helpful and really helps you focus. Um, I'm definitely a work in progress, but trying to structure my time in terms of efficiency. Yep. Um, because I think something about working for yourself too, you know, it could bleed into all hours of the day, but oh, yeah. I don't think that's healthy, you know, for yep. your, it's not good. I think it kind of burns you out and it doesn't make you as ready to go kind of during, during normal, normal yep. working hours. So that's something I'm definitely working on. Um, I mean, I think the sense of urgency is inherently there every day right. when, you know, every day I'm There's on a deadline. 
on the phone with business owners and, you know, ready to get things moving and ready to move forward. And so, you know, it's definitely something I think about every, every day, every, you know, I've only had three weeks kind of conclude, but it's, it's like, oh, it's Friday and this is week three and it's over. So. But how important are connections too, right? Because we're here today. We have, um, you know, the introduction from Sam, who is an entrepreneur and, you know, doing the thing that she's doing and literally trying to change the world from uh, breast pumps. And so, which again, hats off to Sam for doing that. But how important are the connections and you going out and building this Rolodex, if you will, the old school Rolodex, you're too young to remember the Rolodex, but that is there, right? And so how important is that? I think it's extremely important. And when I think about my competitive advantage in terms of other searchers who are looking nationwide, wide. It's like, I'm in the Midwest. I am from here. Let's really build that personal network because at the end of the day, I can shoot out email campaigns to business owners. I can talk to business brokers. But what happens mostly is that someone's in the right place at the right time. Someone has a friend of a friend's parent who is ready to sell their business and transition the business. And that's normally how it happens. So I will say I spent kind of the first two weeks pounding the pavement in terms of trying to get connected with, with anyone and everyone, um, that I could thank you again, Sam Rudolph. You were very helpful (laughs) in that. Um, so I think it's, I think it's extremely important and, and hopefully it resonates with someone. I really want to buy something in the Midwest and you know, it wouldn't hurt if it was around here, but the greater Midwest. That's right. And as Stacey Taubman, who, you know, obviously she was on the podcast and spoke at our circuit of success summit. Uh, but she talks about human capital, right? So there's capital, real money, but then there's that human capital, like who is in that quote unquote Rolodex. And, uh, I know for me too, it's, it's huge. I mean, I just had somebody yesterday ask me a question if I knew such and such of industry in the town and I did. And right. And so you, you want to start to kind of be that go-to person as well, right. That may have nothing to do with forest park capital, but yet if Betsy's the person that connected, you know, you never know what happens. I, I totally agree. I will say, you know, there's some phone calls where they're great and I'm happy to speak with anyone, but I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I could have spent this 30 minutes with right. a business owner or something. And then at the end it's, well, I actually know someone that's thinking. Yeah. So to your point, it, it's really just, yep. just getting out there. Well, hence our conference call last week, right? It's like, I read the article, I thought of somebody, so I connected to that person and now, you know, who knows, right? Who knows what happens? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, but that, that's the point of it. So how about fear? So I think a lot of us are driven by, I shouldn't say driven, maybe, uh, uh, frozen by fear sometimes, right? And so how much of the fear have you had to face doing this, going to Harvard Business School, being around some of the smartest people in the world? And how did you face that fear and, and, and how'd you deal with that? Yeah, it, it, in a strange way, I think, especially kind of with this, with this search fund that I'm doing, fear really isn't an option. Hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of refreshing in a way. Yeah. You know, I will say in past jobs, you know, maybe I'm, I'm scared to present to the CEO or, um, I don't know, scared to speak in class at HBS. But I think there's something very refreshing about this where there is no option and there's no time to be, to be scared. Um, which is, which is great. I mean, I will say the first few owner calls are absolutely scary, (laughs) especially when they lay into you. What is this 30 year old doing calling me for, (laughs) I've run this business for 40 years, but the business um, is older than you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so definitely a little scary, but I think there's something refreshing. There's just, there's just no time. And I think being able to, you know, take oneself out of a bad headspace is very important too. I've definitely had a few late nights of, oh my gosh, what if I don't find something? And then, you know, a step forward, sure. and how am I going to be running a business? But, you know, I've done a year of thinking about this right. really. And right. so it's, it's the ability to really just drive those negative thoughts out of your head, I think. Well, I think with the proper transition, that man or woman that you buy will be there for 12, 18, 24 months, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. That and, would be great. And would help you with that. And 
I know when we look at firms and we buy firms is that if we can have that person on for at least 18 months, it helps with that transition, right? So you can learn a lot, just like you learned a lot at Harvard Business School in 12 months, you can learn, how long was that, 12 months? Or two, two years. Two years, 24 yeah. months. You can learn a lot with somebody for in a couple of years. So um, talk to us about habits, rituals. You talked about waking up in the morning. I'm a huge believer in that, kind of that chill, slow down so you can speed up, think time, the lemon water. What other habits can you share that uh, you think are, that helps with success? Yeah, you know, for me, it's very funny. It's, it's, and I've started to get back into it. I will say business school was not the most um, schedule oriented place. <laughs> A lot of, you know, dinners and, and things like that. But I think it's, there's something about having a cutoff time, I think, where this is when work stops. I've done all I can for the day and that's yep. okay. And really being able to focus on different things. And so for me, I like doing things with my hands. I've realized that at night, um, you know, something that kind of takes your mind off of it, but you're doing something. So you're not kind of left stewing right. about how that conversation went during the day or, um, and for me, that's really kind of exercising and cooking and, you know, doing things that legitimately yeah. take your mind off of it. I mean, it's easier to stare at a treadmill and have a goal in terms of how far you want to go or, you know, I'm yeah. just, I'm just making it up. But sure. for me, it's really cutting it off and then doing something yeah physically oriented that takes your mind off yeah. today. Chris Keeney is a, uh, he's a professor, is a professor at, I believe Princeton and he was on the podcast and he called it work-life integration. So a lot of people talk about work-life balance, right? Well, it's hard to balance because right now my son, oldest son's playing golf and that's during the day. So it's like I'm balancing, still wanting to be around my son and see some of that, but also then working some at night or when the kids go to bed, right? And my wife and I hung, hang out, then it's, it's still time to go do some work. And so I think that work-life integration is a great way to look at it. So I, I, you know, hats off to you for doing that because you can. You can work around the clock burn yourself out, you're a candle burning at both ends, and we know that doesn't end well. So um, hats off for you for that. So what are, what are the, maybe the habits, or maybe not even the habits, but if I, if I always like this question, if I stole your cell phone, and besides email, because that's boring, and what is that one thing on your phone that you would say, please, please, dear God, do not delete that app or that thing? What is that and why? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Um, I feel like it's my notepad. Hmm. I'm always jotting things down. Yep. Um, I feel like when random things come to me during the day, I have, honestly, it's, it's mostly gibberish or one-line sure. things, but it's things that you don't want to forget. Like, oh, that was a great idea in terms of industry or yeah. someone mentioned this person, I should make sure to get in contact with them. Right. Um, or I need to make a, a list of, of all the things I need to do. I don't know. I just think from sure. a notepad perspective, even though it's very disorganized, I, I, I love but it. But it's organized in your world. Right? It's organized. Yes. There's, in a, my there's world. a million or $10 million of ideas in there probably. Yes. No. Do well, I mean, journal? hopefully I don't journal. We I don't get you journal. on the journal. I know. I know. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, I'm starting with the lemon water in the morning. That's right. Move on and to journaling good. next. <laughs> that's very good. Have you heard of made for, uh, Blake McCoskey, you know, uh, Tom shoes, Yes, uh, yes. So Tom Shoes is a great thing. So Blake McCoskey is the founder of that. And a Navy SEAL came together and they created this thing called Made For. And it's what are you made for? Right? And I just started doing it. I'm one month in. Hence this blue bracelet reminds you about hydration, right? So staying hydrated. And they talk about lemon water in that. So yeah. it's a 10-month program. Again, I just started it. It's not really expensive, but uh, it's something I would recommend for people because they're both the, the owners and then they've got tons of psychologists and doctors and trainers and different things involved in this. And it's a whole curriculum that's phenomenal. Very so cool. I'm plugging their stuff, but that's okay. Um, but I think the hydration part is what I was going to say is hydration, right? Physical fitness, staying active, get your movement. I'm not a huge workout guy, but I am big in, in staying active and getting your steps and 
whether it's hitting a golf ball or running or, you know, exercise, whatever it may be, it's a big deal. So, um, what would you go back? You, you, you said you're 30, I believe you said. And so what would you tell the 22 year old Betsy, if you could go back and give her some advice, what would that be? Yeah. You know, I think, I think a lot of people, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this, make decisions based on pro and con lists and, and Mm. very methodical thinking and, um, which I think is great. I mean, you have to, you have to be very thoughtful about big life decisions. I think a lot of my personal life decisions are kind of based on a gut feeling. Um, you know, I think we all know kind of what we're meant to do at the end of the day and have a feeling about what the right next step is. And I wish I'd kind of maybe trusted that a little bit more when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I think I trust it now. I mean, I definitely had this gut feeling about this search fund model that this is absolutely the right thing for me. Of course, you can say all the cons are you won't find a business. Sure. You, right, it might be right. the wrong business. You might do a terrible job. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, what are, what are you really meant to, meant to do? Um, so I wish I would have trusted my gut maybe a little bit more when I was younger. But yeah. I think on the right path now. Yeah, hopefully. I like it. I love that answer. because So the circuits of success are attitude, your belief system, the actions ultimately get your results, right? That's a, a whole hour talk uh, that we could spend time on. But to your point of the actions, right? I think trusting our gut, and I always tell people like, if we just trust our gut and take actions, good things will probably happen because you're smart, you're, you're you know, values-based person, you're, you know, your intentions are right, your motives are right, right? All those things are in line with what needs to be done to be a good business person. So trust your gut, don't let it go here in the head because once it goes in the head, what happens? Then you can talk easily talk yourself Absolutely. out of it. So five percent right? of the women are in search funds, right? Thirty percent of the people never find a business, right? Blah, 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 all this stuff. But you just gotta flush it, right? That doesn't matter. Trust your gut, go do good work and all that kind of stuff. So where can our listeners find more of you? Where can our listeners find more of Forest Park Capital? Uh, share the websites and socials, whatever it may be. Yeah, great. Should I should I just Say them. Same, okay. Right, whatever it's, they are. It's forestpark-capital.com. So please go check me out. And I also have a nice referral page for businesses if you might know someone that nice. is looking to sell. Sorry, shameless plug. No, <laughs> plug away. Um, so say that website again. Um, it's Forest Park, like the St. Louis Park, yep. a little ode to St. Louis there, hyphencapital.com. Okay. Um, and then there's also an article in the business journal that, that could be just helpful reference. I don't know if you everyone, need her so. and you're listening to this and you know me, then just we'll connect you uh, to Betsy. And if you've got a great business, by all means, again, we've had some discussions and you guys have uh, got a great team around you. So it's going to be, it's going to be awesome, whatever you're going to do. So great. Betsy, you. it's been awesome being with you. I uh, loved hearing your story and, and thanks for being on the circuit of success. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.